You are listening to Not Elsewhere Classified. You are listening. You are listening. You are listening to. Do not. To Not Elsewhere. Not Elsewhere. Elsewhere. Elsewhere Classified. Welcome to Not Elsewhere Classified, a podcast about the medical coding, health information technology, and clinical documentation improvement community. I'm your host, Brian Kui. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode number 15. I hope everybody enjoyed the Super Bowl last night. I sure did. And this is the reason why this episode is coming out late. So for our medical coding geeks that are Philadelphia fans, congratulations. Today we have a really long form podcast episode. So I'm going to make this introduction a bit short. But before I introduce our guest, I do want to let you guys know about our partners. First off, let's begin with RadRx. Recently, RadRx started to offer case studies. So if you're interested in working with interventional radiology or diagnostic radiology case studies, you can go to shop.radrx.com and use our promo code GEEK10 if you want to pay in full. By using our promo code, you get a 10% discount. Also, I want to let you guys know Project Resume is approaching their 500th client. So to celebrate, they will be offering a free service for their 500th client. So please make sure to go to projectresume.net. And when you place your order, please make sure to let them know that Medical Coding Geek referred you. Today on the podcast, we have Christina South. Christina's background is a bit unique. She came from a theater dance background, came into coding, and then transitioned to yoga. We talk about her transition through all of those phases. We discuss why our children should not be coders. We then wrap things up with why coders need yoga and meditation. So without further ado, here's my interview with Christina South. Enjoy. All right, so right. you ready to begin? Yeah, sure. Okay. Let's go. Let's right. go. Well, again, uh, let's see. Uh, well, welcome to Not Elsewhere Classified. I have here Christina South. Welcome. Hello. Good to be here. <laughs> How are you today? <laughs> I'm great. You said you were hot. <laughs> I am hot, unfortunately. Yes, I am. <laughs> in terms of weather. <laughs> not, not in my appearance, no. Hot oh, mess, no. maybe. <laughs> hot mess, yes. Okay. Yes, that we could go with, but yeah. Oh, oh goodness. goodness. Yeah, our air conditioning went out. That's why Brian's messing with me. So, <laughs> And I live in the south. I'm not up north where it's maybe a cool 80 degrees right now. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, and over here, I think it's yeah, it's it, it tosses back and forth. It's very bi- bipolar over here. It rains, then it gets real hot, then it rains, it gets really hot. And because of that mix, you get like mugginess in between. It's not... It really isn't a fun a thing, especially when you're cold, you go outside, it's hot, and then it's muggy, and then you get, what happens to me, especially if it's if it's really cold inside and I go right outside, it tends for me to get sick, um, especially with all of my allergies and stuff like that. That tends to happen with me. Oh, you know? ditto. Ditto. Yeah. I, I, I've been living off of Zyrtec oh, wow. this entire summer. Wow. Yes. Yeah. So it's just the South. If anybody's listening that lives in the South, we all know the uh, the humidity, the rain, 
the dry weather. It's so it, it's bipolar everywhere. I think here in the south. So. Right. Well, let me tell the audience of how we connected. Basically, I'm sure you're on our Facebook groups, Medical Coding Geeks. Um, and one thing that I started to do for MedicalCodingGeek.com, so aside from this, I'm also doing Medical Coding Geek, is to, uh, I wanted to start a tutoring network. Because initially when I had started Medical Coding Geek, uh, it was just me as a tutor. And I was looking to expand... Um, I guess my my abilities because it was just me and I needed more help to doing some tutoring. So actually, I had reached out to a couple people. Uh, Christina South was one of them. Uh, she had interviewed and actually she she's in it. So uh, you know to be part of the tutor network and she'll talk about herself about her coding background and so much more uh, aside from that. So we'll get to know more about her. But in terms of the tutor network, it's basically you know I'm looking to. Uh, create a network of tutors that are available for people who are preparing for their exam. And, you know, Christina South uh, came to me with, with a resume and we had talked. And one thing that came out of the actual interview process was the fact that you were, you did um, some yoga. Uh, you also came from a different background, which we'll talk about that in a second. And I, you know, in, in that interview, I'm like, you know what? Um, I think I should have you on the podcast, you know, and, and these are just some of the weird things that I do is when even just in conversation, if something uh, spikes my interest that's not coding related, but you are a coder, then, you know, by all means, be part of the podcast. Uh, there were people, I mean, I've been interviewing people who do RVing. I've been interviewing people who do podcasting. I've been doing interviewing for a bunch of people that, you know, they don't, they don't necessarily meet the, uh, what the expected criteria of what a medical coder should be, or, you know, a clinical documentation improvement specialist or a HIT professional. And, you know, it's, it's very surprising and very, uh, refreshing when you hear people from different backgrounds, you know, coming into a common place uh, in this industry and then talking about it. You know, that's something that uh, this podcast is all about. Yeah, and I, I love it, too, because I think that sometimes when people hear that we're medical coders, number one, and this may be something that you've come across too, Brian, no one knows what we do, right? Like, unless you're in the medical industry, a lot of people have no clue what we do. And the second thing is, just because we're coders doesn't mean we're boring. <laughs> that's right. That's my thing. I think that's the point. Yeah. Right. Yeah, we're not boring. I think the idea is that um, it, it's it's about being dynamic. You know, uh, you know, it's not about being one sided. I know. You know, we're very dynamic in our roles, but we're also dynamic in other roles as well. Family life, outside life, even athletic life, even spiritual life, you know, and even uh, the music way, you know, the music, um, you know, the musicality, all of these things come into play in terms of who makes you, again, I keep on saying the word professional, you know, who, who makes who you are. And, and I'm always gravitating around that fact. And so, you know, we have here Christina South, who's pretty much going to tell us, I mean, you have just all, you know, all over the place <laughs> in terms of yourself and how it revolves around medical coding. And this is the reason why you brought two two things that you're going to talk about uh, today. So before we begin, I want to I want the audience to know more about you. So can you please tell the audience a little bit about yourself, where you came from, most importantly, right? And where you came today. How you came today? 
So first of all, medical coding, I will be honest, was not my first choice. Like I didn't graduate high school and go, I'm going to become a medical coder. That was not the goal. Um, in fact, I think one of the reasons that Brian was like, hey, we need to chat is because my original goal in life is I was in college and I was a theater major, dance minor. Um, I grew up dancing and acting and actually um, in college and in my first marriage was actually very involved in theater um, and have actually performed professionally in theater. And so that's where I thought my life was headed, that I was going to go into theater full time, be dancing full time, um, married a guy who was in theater. So our life was theater. Um, but at, at the end of the day, you know, we all go through those life challenges and I'll be very real. I ended up divorcing my first husband and then remarrying um, my husband now of 17 years. Wow. And yeah, so I've been married a long time now, have four kids. Wow. And the reality of it was when you start having kids, that theater lifestyle starts looking very, very different. Um, there's not a lot of stability in theater. And as much as I love it, and as much fun as I had doing it, it was clear that it was time that I was going to have to have a more stable job that, you know, you need what happens in theater and what a lot of people don't realize is. Yeah, that's what I was, that's what I was going to explain. It's like, what what do you mean by stability? Uh, what kind of, I guess, uh, job outlook does theater have uh, if for those that are you know inquiring about it? Um, like, what does it look like in terms of your schedule? Since you have oh. four kids, can you explain that <laughs> a little bit more? Yeah, certainly. So, as far as if if you're going to make theater your career, you're going to number one. There is no guarantee that you're always going to be employed. Most of my friends that I know that are still involved in theater to this day have outside jobs, so they work whether it's one of my good friends is actually a, just to give you an example here, this isn't about coding, but he's actually a professor um, at one of our local colleges, but then he does weekend theater. So there's definitely options, but most people do struggle making a living in theater full time. That does not mean, and I have to say this, this does not mean that it is not possible for you to do it. But the lifestyle is very demanding. The hours are long. People don't realize, like here locally, we have one professional theater in central Arkansas where I live, and it's the Arkansas Repertory Theater, and that is where I um, worked. Not only as a performer, but I also worked in the box office for a period of time as well. And the hours oftentimes just, the shows typically back now, I don't know if things have changed now, because this is back in the early 90s when I was doing this, mm -hmm. but a typical schedule to just prepare for the show was only three weeks. Mm -hmm. So we're talking about putting an entire theatrical performance, two hours, two and a half hours, together in three weeks time wow so basically you're living it we had one day off a week that was mondays typically mm -hmm. and then once the show was running you were 
you worked during the day or I usually worked during the day and then we had performances at night, but we also had matinees. So there would be oftentimes doing nine shows a week wow. and having to work and trying to do that and be able to spend time with a family is very, very challenging. And no matter how much you love something, there comes a time where you have to go, is this, is this a viable path for me to go down? <laughs> how worn out and exhausted am I going to be and how present am I going to be with my family? So, um, I just kind of put the acting and theater to the side when I got pregnant um, with my first son. And when my husband and I got married, he, he already had a child who was barely not, he turned two the first year that we were married. So we already had a family pretty much. My husband was a widower, his wife had died. And so he was raising his, this, I mean, a baby pretty much on his own. And so I, I had to have something that was more viable. And I happened to one of my dearest friends, best friend from high school, actually went to elementary school with her, was working in the emergency room at a local hospital here. And they had a job opening. And at the time, I had been working for veterinarians while I was uh, doing theater. So I had a little bit, a little introduction to medicine on the animal side of things. And here again, you have to have flexible jobs and they were willing to work with me. So you know what? You do what you got to do to pay bills. <laughs> so working for veterinarians is what I had been doing. And my friend called me up one day and said, hey, we have a job opening in the ER doing what I'm doing. I'm a unit coordinator. For those of you who don't know what that is, unit coordinators typically are the folks that schedule all the x-rays, order all the labs. I was in charge of um, activating the trauma pager when a trauma came in and, and also entering charges. So I was introduced there to entering charges and minor, just a little bit of coding. The coding was already done for me. It was basically data entry. Right. You know what I mean? Just mm -hmm. enter this code in and you're done. And the charge master so, did the rest. Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. And so I couldn't believe I got the job, number one, guys, because when they hired me, I was eight months pregnant. But they were having such a hard time filling the position because, number one, it was in the ER. And if anyone's ever worked in an ER, you kind of have to be, a, you've got to have the right personality to be in that environment. It is very fast paced. You cannot let things get to you. You do get yelled and screamed at, not because it's something you did wrong, but because it's the environment. And so they had a really hard time, I think. And they're like, hey, the girl's willing to take the job. Let's give it to her. We don't care that she's eight months pregnant. So I ended up taking that job and working in the ER for two years. And it was while I was there that one of the nurse practitioners that actually worked there in case coordination said to me one day, you know, have you ever thought about medical coding? You would make a lot better money than you're making here as a unit coordinator. You know, you've got a family, you've got a couple of kids, and, you know, maybe it's something you could look into. And I was like, oh, heck, I'll look into anything, you know, if it's going to help provide for my family at this point. And 
ended up looking into the RHIT program here at one of our local colleges at the University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences and actually signed up um, to get my associate's degree and to sit for the RHIT. Okay. Well, guess who got pregnant again? <laughs> Hello? I did. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I had been to school for a little over a year. I got pregnant. I had a year left to finish my RHIT, and my pregnancy was not fun. Um, and it wasn't the worst pregnancy, but I was having, I was having migraines and those sorts of things. It was making it hard to go to school. I, I just didn't know if that day I was going to make it or not. So at the end of that semester, I dropped out. But not long after I dropped out, I applied for a job that involved coding. And I had finished both of my coding classes at the university and thought, you know, Maybe I, I should look into this, the coding portion of this, okay? Like, you know, my, my friend at, at work had suggested it, and I've taken the classes, and hey, it wasn't too bad, you know what I mean? So here's a position that pays more than what I'm doing in the ER, will introduce me more to the HIM field. I will start doing some coding, and just to make a long story short, I ended up taking that job. It was at a behavioral health hospital for children, and started my coding and HIM career from there. So I set for my um, CPCH at the time, which here's the deal. I didn't even understand the credentials that I was sitting for, right? Like I didn't even know that I was sitting for the outpatient portion. Um, it's crazy. When I look back, I was like, I had no idea what I was doing, Brian. I was just, oh, I need to get a certification. I'm going to sit for this one. And so... I passed the first time I took it, though, and that actually ended up opening the door, leading me to another hospital, and it was actually the same director at the hospital that I was currently working at left, went to another hospital, hired me there, better pay, and I it was at that hospital that I learned rehabilitation coding. She left there again, and told me about a, another coding position at the hospital that she was working for and that I would have the possibility of working remote. Well, who doesn't want to work remote in the coding world, right? So it was like, um, okay, yeah, sure. I'll interview. If I get the job, it's meant to be. If I don't, I'll stay where I'm at. I'm happy here. Well, I ended up getting that coding position because I had rehab coding um, experience and ended up working for that facility for 10 years as their rehab coding specialist. And it was there I finally set for my CCS and learned inpatient coding and and have been coding ever since. So I've been I've been actually coding full time since 2002, which is forever ago. But it's I certainly like I said and I have to share something my mother, I told this to my mother when I was a kid. I've always been, I was a dancer when I was a kid, really into theater, arts, that sort of stuff. And I looked at my mom as a kid and I said, I will never take a job working on a computer. <laughs> never. Never say never, though. <laughs> yeah. My mom, who is now passed, is just still oh. probably looking down at me, wagging her finger at me, going, ha ha, told you so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But 
Yeah, I told her I would never do that. And here I am working on a computer all day. Um, and yet I think the beauty of coding and that a lot of people don't realize is it seems like we have this really stale, boring job. And yes, there is some monotony to it. We have to admit that. But what job doesn't have some monotony to it? But what I think has kept me in coding isn't just the fact that I can stay home and work, but the fact that we are constantly challenged. There is never a dull day in the coding world, ever. We never know what chart we're going to get. We never know what we're going to learn. And, you know, I, I left the safety of the hospital for a while and dove into contract coding for a couple of years and now I'm back working for a hospital again, um, not as a contract coder, but in a more regular full-time position. And, you know, I ju I've just found that really coding isn't boring. And I think that's the biggest thing I'd like to put out there for people. I know some people, you, you have the most boring job. Even my daughter has told me, you have the most boring job. Like, I couldn't do that. But I think people just don't realize how much thinking, how much analytical thinking is involved in our jobs on a daily basis. I mean, we we have to be able to interpret data that most people would look at and think, how do you figure this out? Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean, Brian. Yes, of it's course. It's <laughs> a very complex job to have. And it does take a person who has the ability to focus. And I'll be honest with you, I have ADHD and I can do this job. Mm. Anyone could do this job. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I mean, and I'm not just, I'm, I'm actually diagnosed with ADHD. I have a child with ADHD. And the reality of it is I actually think having this coding job has helped me with my ability to focus because I have to focus so much on a daily basis. So it's actually helped me with that. So I just, I want to throw that out there. I don't think people, I think people don't truly understand and grasp what we do on a daily basis. It isn't just looking at charts and turning a diagnosis into a medical code. There's, there's a lot more to it than that. And it really does take a lot of deep understanding of medicine of physiology, of biology, of anatomy, of, you know, just prescription medications. There is, there's so much to coding, right, Brian? I mean, it's, yeah. And so I certainly did not think that this was going to be a job that I would end up doing for how many years now? 15 plus yeah, <laughs> at this right. point. Mm -hmm. And, and enjoying it because there's you're always learning there's such a learning curve with coding that and there's so much growth i think for coding too it's it's a position that i don't think is going away anytime soon right now let me go back to what you said is the idea of what i guess your appreciation for medical coding is because of the not just i, I think my point is is that you made some good points about data analytics, um, the fact of reporting. Uh, 
when for those that are listening that are new coders, I'm addressing it to you, is it's more than just looking up codes in the book and just slapping it on somewhere in the computer. Uh, you have to appreciate, in order to appreciate medical coding uh, or anything to the fact that you're utilizing something that you're entering, you have to understand, where number one, the appreciation of where it's coming from. Okay, when I'm talking about where it's coming from, you're talking about the patient, the condition, the treatment, the severity, all of that you need to appreciate that and then bring it forward. And then you have to appreciate what happens afterwards when they're discharged is the fact that you're entering this. There is such, I guess, accountability on what you put into a patient's account these days, especially with the higher, you know, the, the issues of denials uh, from third party payers. You know, we have to make sure that that is important because it's not just looking at the record. You see a diagnosis. Oh, I'm, I'm going to look in my book, fiddle through my book. And then just put the code in. It, there's so much. I guess it's the it's so much responsibility and so much accountability. It's not the fact that I'm trying to scare you, but also, you know, you mentioned the fact that it always keeps you on your toes. I mean, just recently, what happened? We have 2018 uh, coding guidelines that just released, so you guys got to stay on top of that. There's a lot of regulations that you have to consider on staying on top of in order to maintain compliance. So there, you know, for those that are, you know, just you know, just uh, coders themselves without any, I guess, degree per se, I would highly suggest going to getting associates, getting a bachelor's because you have a full, you'll get a full appreciation of what you're doing from a full spectrum from the time, like I said, from the time that the patient comes into the hospital, from the time the patient leaves. And then you, you get a sense of also the revenue cycle management process, also the data management, what's now called information governance all of that you get to appreciate, you know, and I think, you know, as you move yourself into the HIM, HIT uh, role, you'll you'll get a bigger, broader sense of that appreciation. So, you know, medical coding is not just medical coding. If you broaden it a little bit more and appreciate it a little bit more, it makes you better as, again, my P word is professional. Right. And, and I, I want to add this, too. I think a lot of coders forget about the statistics that are drawn from our medical coding as well. We forget that where do you think the CDC is getting the statistics for cancer rates in the United States? We do have cancer registry. I mean, there's all sorts of, of HIM roles that we could explore, but where are they getting this data, right? We have to look at that and realize that being accurate as a coder is so important because it's not only affecting billing, but it's also affecting statistics as far as disease reporting in the United States. So there's a lot to think about. We have a very important role as coders, and it really is easy, I think, in the day-to-day -to, -day to forget that, oh, I'm just a coder when we really don't understand the impact that we as coders are having on the health industry and on the hospitals and the facilities that we're working for. So it is a huge responsibility to be a coder. This is definitely a job that we must be professional. We must have integrity. We must follow the ethical guidelines that are set forth by HEMA or the AAPC, depending upon who you're certified with and your personal ethics that 
to take this very seriously, you know, and I don't want, I don't want to take the fun out of it, but this is a serious job because a lot of information is coming out of our job jobs as coders. It's not just billing, even though sometimes I think we think that, right? We check that DRG or, you know, and, and make sure, you know, we've got all that correct. But at the end of the day, there it's such a wide, a wide field. And I've actually applied um, to go back to school and sit for my RHIA at this point. Now that, yeah, um, I don't know when I'm going to start school. I've started the application process um, with Louisiana Tech. And so, guys, I want to encourage you, getting into the HIM field also has not been easier for those of you that have families and children and cannot travel to a university, there are amazing online programs that you can take now. So don't think that maybe, you know, because you've got a busy schedule or you work full time that you can't make this work. It might take me eight years to get this degree, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm not well, kidding. let me. Do you plan to have? But, do you plan to have any more children? No. Okay. Okay. Then that then that might that might lessen no. the time a little bit more. <laughs> no. Oh my goodness. My oldest is nineteen now, oh, okay. and my youngest and my youngest is going to turn twelve in a few months. I am done. Okay, you're yes. done. No, no more. Shop is yeah. closed. So, yeah, yeah. So that's why. Even though my daughter this morning told me, "I want you to have another baby." Oh no! Um, no! 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 Oh, no! No! She no. just wants a little brother or sister, mainly a little sister, because she's surrounded by boys. Yeah. But, um. Yeah, so I'm even I've I've even applied. I don't know start date exactly when I want to do that, but you know, the opportunities are certainly there and this is a field that that I've noticed there has been nothing but growth in in the healthcare field. And so, you know, if you're considering it, uh go for it. I'm going to tell you if you are younger, if you were in your 20s and you were just now considering getting into HIM, I want to throw this out to you. Get that degree. Get that degree. Right, Brian? Like, don't, I would say don't, don't put it off if you have the opportunity to not put it off because you will have more opportunities. Not that I don't have an opportunity as just a coder or just having my CCS, but you will definitely have more doors open to you if you have your RHIA. And I would highly, and would you not recommend this at this point too, Brian, to get your RHIA and not your RHIT because they're phasing that out. Yeah. Correct? And there's, there's, you know, there, there are, um, there are things that are happening now, especially for those that have, that have an RHIT with a bachelor's. So they can move up to, you know, they, are, they would qualify for that RHIA. Um, I don't think again they're not phasing out the RHIT. They're just looking at to beefing it a little bit more, probably to specialize it uh, in different areas, including IT, including um, uh, coding, including data analytic data analytics. So there's more specialization. But you know, for those that are looking for the RHIA, the real thinking is the fact that it's it's a more it's a more overview thought on healthcare. And when you're doing your RHIT, the curriculum is set for you to be in the trenches, to be the technical person to do that. But when you get an RHIA, then it, it broadens your horizons on trying to oversee that. I had, again, I think I had a discussion in our previous podcast about that. So um, that's pretty much the general idea. Now, Christina, I have two questions for you. Okay. First question is, are you still doing theater in some form or way? Well, in a well, yes and no. 
So, um, I have done some acting. Um, it's it's been a bit. I was part of. Um, I helped film a short for a friend. For those of you who don't know what that means, a short is basically a five to ten minute film. Okay, so we're talking about it's complete. It's just a short, um, and this this is where I, I have fun. Um, but my, I'm a sci-fi and horror junkie, so yes. So um, because of that, the short that I was in was a horror short, and we actually um, entered it into a contest with Chiller, yeah. and my daughter starred in it, and oh. she got to kill my husband and oh, I no. in the short. <laughs> so anyway, so we're those weird parents that watch lots of sci-fi, uh-huh. and um, actually that particular, they are actually working on turning that short into a full-length production, and my daughter um, will probably be starring in that, and I may be, um, if I audition, I don't know, I'll have to wait and see, but I may be starring in that. But my husband and I, on the other side of things, we are actually writing, um, Hmm. we are working on a script for a movie right now. Nice. For the the production company that did the short, and they're friends of ours, and so, and it's also in the horror genre, so... Um, it, it seems weird because I know we're going to talk about something that would not go with horror at That's all. That's okay. Here in just a That's minute. all right. That's why I but, said you're all over the place. That's okay. I mean, you know, and here, here's the thing. I think that I, I love sci-fi and horror so much because as a kid, I was a scaredy cat. I was afraid of the dark. I was afraid of ghosts and those sorts of things. And so I think as an adult, watching those sorts of movies made me kind of like, Hey, there's nothing to be afraid of. You know what I mean? So um, I ended up loving something I was terrified of as a kid, but I do um, love sci-fi. Uh, stayed up last night late watching Alien Covenant. I mean, oh, I'm okay. huge Scott, yeah. you know, Scott Ridley fan. Um, I got to catch up on, I think that's Prometheus, right? You have to watch Prometheus yes, first in order to watch yes, that one, right? watch Prometheus first and then watch <laughs> Alien Covenant. But, so yeah, I'm... You know, it's just I love those sorts of movies, and so we are. Like I said, we're writing we're writing a script. It's we're we're not even halfway done, but um, hopefully, maybe next year that will be put into production with um, the friends of mine that own a production company here and are and are doing the other movie and that did the short. So I do still you know try to stay involved in those things as much as I can. Obviously, my full time job comes first, and. And then there's yoga. <laughs> well, before we get to yoga, I, uh, my yeah. second question is: You have four children, correct? You said that I four, have four children. children yes. Okay. Now, it, when you're okay, you said one of them is 19, but I guess regardless, if if any of them at some point come to a certain pay, certain age where they need to choose a career, which would you? What direction would you give them? Theater or medical coding? Well. I have all of my children. I have been. I have told them to do what they want to do, not what I'm doing. Of course. So yes. Um, so I have an oldest child. Just to give you an example, I have an oldest child that is probably going to go into hospita- hospitality and the Perfect. food industry. Okay, that's um, that's pretty he, much increasing, as far as I've heard. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's been yeah. increasing by leaps and bounds with that. You know, it's and also um, for those that are listening, I, I listened to a report where, you know, compared to. Uh, the manufacturing and also healthcare, 
you know, the hospitality management actually has been staying relatively the same. The same. Nothing has changed in it. It's just the fact it's it's increasing in terms of of growth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, so I have this. None of my children are interested in coding, and that's okay. I just, yeah. But I mean, I have told, but I have told all of my kids. You know, my other, my second oldest child will actually graduate from high school this year. He actually wants to be a band director and teacher. So, I mean, he plays multiple inter- instruments. He's a trumpet player. I mean, he can play oh, most of the brass instruments. I used to play trumpet. And so mm-hmm. I have this kid who wants to go into teaching, possibly become a band director. That's where he is headed. And then my two younger ones, who knows with them, they're 13 and 11. So um, one of them, you know, he will never go into coding. I can promise you that right now. <laughs> okay. He's a gamer. His dream is to become a, you know, actually a game designer. And then my daughter very much, um, she's starting band this year with a saxophone and she very much would love to do more acting. So she may be my kid that does theater and those sorts of things because she's already done some acting and is really, really crazy good at it. So um, I have just told my kids, though, that if they ever feel stuck in a career that coding is always there, <laughs> I've told them that I have. But with with my kids, I definitely would encourage them to do what they want to do and not do what their parents are doing per se because it's their lives and they need to do what makes them happy. So, but I, I have said a couple of times, like, you know, if that doesn't work out, there's always coding. So, you know, I'm definitely one of those. Um, but yeah, I don't think it's going to happen with any of my kids. Right. It's not looking that way anyway. No, no, I mean, I think we're, we're in a, we're in an age now where, because of technology, we have the ability to become very creative. And the fact that because of our creativity and the content that we provide, it can be shared with anybody. So, you know, I think, you know, we're now at a point where I'm actually pushing my children. I have three kids and I'm trying to push their creative creativity more than their intelligence, you know. Uh, and I think what happens is when you foster your creativity it will exude in your intelligence. It'll open doors to that way you connect with more people that will improve your intelligence. And then again, you know, making yourself so much better. So, you know, at least with totally my kids. Agree. Yeah, yeah. So with my kids, I mean, uh, you know, I'm not going to say, well, can you can do coding. But then, you know, I'm actually, you know, trying to create a more creative outlet for them and say, look, you can do, uh, one of them likes to bake. Go ahead, do baking. Can you see, you know, how much is in that an area? My son likes to, you know, he likes to do, I don't know, for him, he likes to do a lot of, um, you know, gaming, yes, but then I think for some reason there's a there's a like a negotiation type of deal type of scenario thing that he does. So he could be something else, like in terms of business or even uh, a lawyer. Um, you know, and the other one, I think my youngest one will be the the actor. So <laughs> she she loves the, the the type of acting. You know, she watches all the shows. She mimics all the people. She has certain quirks. She's very dynamic, and you know, those are the things that you want to foster in your kids. And yes, if 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 push comes to shove, then you know, thank God we have the knowledge of what we know in terms of medical coding and say, hey, look, if it doesn't work out, you know, we're here to help you out. We we've done this. 
and you can always come back to medical coding. There's always a sol- solid foundation in that. Exactly. And I just, I think it's beautiful that you said that, that you do with your children, let them express their creativity because I, I think too, a lot of times it's through the experimenting that we find out what we like to do and what we love. And our kids oftentimes, you know, I've, I, I've, I've known people who have ended up in careers they didn't really even get to choose because it was a family business. And when it comes down to the end of the day, you've got to be happy. And so, yes, you know, the coding is definitely there. But even as you have said, those of us who do coding, we don't just code. Like, that's not – I know very few medical coders who don't have other interests in their life. They, they, we don't come home and just read coding books all day. And sorry, that's my cat Merlin. He had to come in and say hello. Um, but most of us don't. That's not just what we do. Do you know what I mean? We have lives outside of our professional life that that play very much a part, oftentimes in our professional life, that you know that help us stay healthy, or we have to have those outlets. So. Yeah, I think a lot of people think that sometimes, you know, we come home, we read these really boring, long medical coding books and HIM books, and we may be doing a little bit of that, but we have lives outside of work, too. Right. And speaking <laughs> and of outside lives, yeah. uh, outside of coding, you also, as you mentioned, do yoga. So, um, I, I mean, just for myself, I've I've dabbled in it. I mean, I, I can tell you that it is very difficult in the beginning uh there's always a sense of you know trying to create a practice uh and making sure that you're consistent and you know i I, i've done it i've you know i I mean i don't i don't i don't think i really done it done it per se i think you know i got introduced with the what's that program uh p90x with tony horton and uh in the program on every thursday or every fourth day of the week there is what's called yoga x and he spends like at least 90 minutes going into it and the first time (laughs) the first time i did it i i I had to turn it off because i couldn't do it i mean i was just to me, I appreciated the slowness factor, uh, the gradual movement, the appreciation of that. But man, your body's not ready for that. And I think you know, you know, they always say, "Well, it's about the journey." So uh, I think you could elaborate on that. But you know, as far as my taste, I like it. You know, it's just a matter of getting back into it. Perhaps maybe mm-hmm. you can, <laughs> you can uh, motivate, uh, you you. motivate me to go back <laughs> into it because I, I, I liked it. I was, I was doing some certain poses to a point. Not like the handstands or things like that, but I think it's called, um, gosh, is it is it crow or something like that? Yeah, it was a yeah, certain yeah. yeah. It was it was to the point where you have to hold your your body in a in a crouch position, but you're holding your body on just your hands, and everything from your hands to your forearms are just burning, and you hold that position for quite some time. So uh, that's the extent. But now I have to restart all over again. So, anyways, so the so. As we're talking again, it's going to be yoga, but you, know, you you became a, you were a theater dance minor. You did that. You went to medical coding. But then how did you find yourself into yoga? Well, I was actually introduced to yoga during my dance classes while I was, and by the way, I didn't finish that degree in theater. Let me just okay. say that because I had babies. Anyway, <laughs> so everything comes back to babies. So um, I got. I actually was introduced to yoga while I was taking a modern dance class in college, 
And we used yoga as a way to warm up before we actually started our dance practice. So I fell in love with it then and would practice yoga off and on throughout the years, but it really was after I had my daughter in 2005 that I really began a regular practice. And part of that came out of I had begun to develop some chronic pain issues from guess what, sitting at a desk all day. Imagine that, okay? So it's pretty common if we coders start getting honest that because we sit all day, we are more prone to develop things like carpal tunnel syndrome, sciatica, low back issues, shoulder issues, neck issues. And so part of that journey back into doing yoga for me was I was hurting. And because I had done dance for so many years and actually in college had taught some dance classes, it felt very natural for me once I started to go ahead and get certified and teach yoga. I had missed teaching dance and was not involved in theater anymore and thought, you know what, I'm in pain. I love yoga. Why not get certified to teach this? And then I'll also know how to fix myself, so to speak. So I went through yoga certification and I was the student that took the longest. Okay. I'm, there were three of us in my yoga teacher training class. Mm -hmm. They were done six months before this girl was done. Wow. I was suddenly terrified to teach mm -hmm. and I'm not joking. Wow. I was terrified. Teaching yoga or, or just teaching yoga teach or just it. teaching in general? Just to teach yoga. I was terrified. But you said you, was, you had taught you had taught theater or something. But day. I had taught dance right. before, and I couldn't understand why I was so terrified of teaching yoga. Mm -hmm. And I think, that, I think the thing that hit me is because yoga is unlike other workout programs, because yoga, this is what I like to say about yoga. Yoga, to me is a holistic health and wellness system that integrates your mind, body, and spirit. And because of that, I felt like there was much more responsibility when I was teaching yoga than teaching dance. Because when you're teaching dance, you're teaching the moves and you're teaching people to use their emotions. There's a lot of acting in dance, okay? There's the technical side of it and then there's the creative side of it. If you've ever watched any dance at all, there is a lot of technical stuff, just like there's a lot of technical things to learn in coding. It's just different technical things. And it became easy for me to see that, well, I could teach the technical side of this. But I also began to realize with yoga, I also had this great responsibility to not hurt anyone when I was teaching. And so this is why I think for a lot of people, and I think you talking about, you know, you kind of, struggling doing some of the postures in the in the P90X program, the reality is a lot of people struggle with doing the postures because we sit at desk all day or we've been doing nothing but running and lifting weights and not not really working on our flexibility. So it is difficult. And I think this is something a lot of yoga teachers will say, well, everybody can do yoga. And that is correct and true but you have to find the right kind of yoga for your body. It is so important. And the first yoga class that I taught, I had a person with MS there 
I had a person with low back issues there and I had a person there with rheumatoid arthritis and I had several people who um, had knee issues and this was my first class and my brain went oh my god how do I teach these people <laughs> so I was literally baptized by yoga fire my first class that I ever taught and and even though I had a practice myself that I had been doing for a while before I went through training and then even went through training for a year before I was certified, it just became very important to me that when it comes to, comes to yoga is that yoga is for everybody, but it really is, as I said before, key that each person find that yoga teacher that is perfect for them there's not a one-size-fits-all yoga practice and you do kind of have to search and find what's going to work with set work for people um, I, I'll never forget for example one time I taught yoga at a CrossFit facility well I discovered quickly that was not the place for me to teach yoga like that was not that was not my jam and that's okay but the people there, for instance, struggled being able to even bend over and touch their toes because so much of CrossFit is, is on speed and weight training and sprinting. And you, do you know what I'm saying? If anyone knows anything about CrossFit, but the emphasis is not on flexibility. And it wasn't that... I couldn't teach CrossFitters. That was just not, that was not, that was not my jam. Like I said, that was not the population that I really um, felt a call to teach. And so um, as I began to keep teaching though, the main population that I found myself teaching was actually over 40. Um, a lot of people in my class were actually over 60. And so I was teaching yoga that was very gentle, very, very adaptable, really, to anyone that walked in the room. And I, I learned very quickly to assess the people that walked into the room. And most of the time, my, my idea of what I was going to do in class went out the window when my students walked in. So it very much became a thing about learning how to adapt yoga to everybody. And I've I, I, I will say I'm very good at that. Um, someone could come to me and say, I have shoulder issues, what can I do? And I could teach them a yoga class in a heartbeat. But it does take years of practice, I think, to get to that point. And, and so I would encourage you that you've got to find the right yoga. You have to find the right classes that work for your body. If you were sedentary most of your day, Going to anything that says power yoga, yeah, forget it. In the beginning, may not be for you. Okay, forget like it. that's probably not going to be for you. And what I actually teach in most of my yoga classes is not what I is very different than what I practice in my own private yoga practice. Okay, myself. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot of times they'll say teach what you know. So I do teach what I know. Yes. But my yoga practice looks much more advanced than what I teach typically in classes these days. Okay. 
So you give most them, definitely. Yeah, you give most them like definitely. a little bit more than the than the beginning. I guess you cater it depending on the skill level of the pers of the person that you're working with. Yes, and and I always, I think that um, that when it comes to comes to doing yoga, just even personally, if you're interested in doing yoga, I would highly recommend that every coder do yoga. I'm I'm just biased, but I really do believe that coders need to practice yoga. Well, let, let um, me let me ask this question. Uh, mm -hmm. Why do you think yoga is important, especially for those that are in the medical coding, HIT, CDI industry, or just anybody who's just, you know, sitting in uh, an uh, office or a cubicle for almost eight hours a day? One of the reasons why I think yoga is so important is, and here's, hear me, hear me. I, I, I'm I guess not before, also, I'm sorry, yes. also before you, you do that, yes. also, can you address some of the common issues uh, from that type of work of sitting and then kind of give why yoga would be important. Please take a moment and hear a word from our partners. This podcast is brought to you by ZipRecruiter.com. In need of great talent for your business but short on time, you don't have to get lost in a huge stack of resumes to find your perfect hire. You just need the right tools, smarter tools. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards with just one click. You can even get a head start on the interview process by adding screening questions to your job posts to help identify the most qualified candidates so you don't have to waste your time sorting through a stack of resumes to find the perfect fit. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by growing businesses of all sizes and industries to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. And right now, listeners of this podcast can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash MedicalCodingGeek. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash MedicalCodingGeek. One more time, to try it for free, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash MedicalCodingGeek. This podcast is brought to you by the Haugen Consulting Group. The Haugen Consulting Group is your trusted partner in healthcare consulting, education, and auditing. They also believe fun is non-negotiable. Check out their popular flip bits. It's a great hands-on resource. I have one for ICD-10 PCS coding, and it's great. Listeners of this podcast will receive a 15% discount if you use the promo code GEEK15. Again, that's G-E-E-K-1-5. If you go to thehaugengroup.com slash shop. Again, for your 15% discount, use our promo code G-E-E-K-1-5 at www.thehaugengroup.com slash shop. This podcast is brought to you by accessadoctor.com. Access a doctor when you need it most. How would you like to have quick and easy access to licensed doctors 24 hours a day, 7 days a week? Instead of scheduling an appointment to see a doctor or going to the emergency room or urgent care, you simply make one phone call and a doctor will provide you with a consultation, diagnose your medical problem, and even call in a prescription to your local pharmacy. Some of the conditions that can be treated using accessadoctor.com include cold and flu symptoms, sinus infections, urinary tract infections, allergies, skin infections or rashes, and even eye and ear infections. Listeners of this podcast can get a discount on their single and family membership plans by going to accessadoctor.com and using our promo code 
geek, that's G-E-E-K, upon signing up. Again, that's accessadoctor.com. And the promo code is geek, G-E-E-K. This podcast is brought to you by RadRx. RadRx is your prescription for accurate coding and reimbursement. RadRx offers interventional and diagnostic coding consulting, auditing, webinars, trainings, and resource materials. Medical Coding Geek and Not Also Classified followers will receive a 10% discount. You can go to shop.radrx.com and use our promo code GEEK10 to claim your 10% discount. Again, use promo code GEEK10 when you go to shop.radrx.com. Yeah, let's start there. So most of us know if you have been a medical coder or you have a job where you are seated for a long period of time, um, one of the things that's happening to us sitting all day is we're compressing our spine. Okay. Um, the other thing that we're doing being seated all day and working on a computer is our bodies typically tend to round forward. So our cervical spine, our thoracic spine will usually begin to curve forward. We'll start taking those shoulders forward. And, and by we'll, the way, Christina, I'm actually standing up now doing some of these things that you're telling <laughs> Yes, yes. So you're gonna your posture. You're probably becoming very hyper aware of your posture. Yeah, there you go. So, but this this just happens, and we're on our cell phones a lot too. Let's just be honest. We're holding our cell phones. We're rounding those shoulders forward. We're we're because we're seated. We're compressing um, our spine. Oftentimes, because we're seated, if you just think about where does that sciatic nerve go, we're compressing that sciatic nerve a lot during the day. And and it's really, over time, it's affecting our, it's affecting anything from our necks to our shoulders to our wrist to our hips, our lower back. It's really sitting for long periods of time really has an effect on your entire body. So if you think about it, we're keeping our entire body almost folded forward during most of our day, right? So when that happens, all these imbalances can then start happening in our body over time. They usually don't happen overnight. People usually don't develop carpal tunnel syndrome in their first year of coding unless they've already um, been doing things that were aggravating that. So what we can do through yoga is if you haven't started developing some of these things, you can start working on preventing these things from happening because yoga is going to help improve your posture. It's going to help improve your spinal alignment. It's going to really improve just your overall general health because yoga is probably, in my personal opinion, one of the most therapeutic forms of exercise that we have on the planet, if done correctly. And I have to say, if done correctly. Um, if, if If you're not really... I don't recommend that if you were brand new to yoga that you necessarily start practicing yoga at home, online, doing online classes. You really do want to be in the presence of a professional yoga teacher so that you can make sure you don't start creating those habits that you don't want. 
and they are there to help you create good habits so they can help guide you you know it and that I think is the biggest key is making sure that you're taking live classes especially in the beginning until you understand what you're doing how your body works um, and the key thing here again and I'm gonna say this is you have to find a teacher that you resonate with and that is willing to work with you and where you are physically so sometimes you have to shop around a little bit you may have to visit a few studios you may have to visit a few a few teachers talk to the teachers before class go up to them say listen I've I've done a little bit of yoga really not done a lot of yoga and I sit all day I I hurt here if you have any chronic illnesses like diabetes or hypertension or heart disease or you've had a total knee replacement or hip mm. replacement let your yoga teacher know mm -hmm. we want to know these things because that way we can keep you safe in class right it forms the it but, forms the individual practice yes mm -hmm. and even in a group setting if i know if i know that there's someone in the room that has hypertension i will often say things like or if they've had a total knee replacement for instance and we're doing a pose that really is not going to be beneficial for someone who's had a total knee or total hip replacement i will usually say okay if if any of you here because i never want to call anyone out unless i'm in a very personal environment and people don't care which i've taught many classes where nobody like I've had five people in my class. They all know each other. They all know each other's ailments and, and everything and injuries, and they don't care if I call them out. But usually in a group class where I have a lot of people, what I will do is I will just invite people and say, listen, if you have knee issues or have had hip replacements, et cetera, I'll just throw out a few things like that. I want you to move into this pose this way. And then I'll say, and then I'll say exactly modification and then the rest of you you know depending upon your ability you can move into the pose this way so I give lots of modifications during my classes not overwhelming everyone but just letting people know that you don't have to take the full posture and to really honor your body that's the number one thing with yoga if it hurts in yoga you don't do it the no gain, the, you know, no pain, no gain philosophy is out the door when you go to a yoga class. So it's a very different environment when it comes to, it's not about pushing yourself to the brink of throwing up, right? That's not what we're doing with yoga. So when we talk about those imbalances, though, again, like I said, you're going to want to talk to your yoga teacher. And I would highly recommend that and I'm not digging P90X, okay? No, right. Okay? okay. Just hear me on this. No, no, right. That's that's why I'm telling you my yeah. story so that you can yeah. tell me otherwise. There, there are a lot of people who teach yoga that don't know yoga. Right. So I'm going to get on my soapbox here for okay. just a minute. sure. A personal trainer who has taken a weekend yoga class, <laughs> okay. in my humble opinion, is not a yoga teacher. Right. In order to truly, truly be able to teach yoga, you need to have taken a yoga teacher training specific to that. That doesn't mean a personal trainer can't be a yoga teacher too, but there are a lot of programs out there that are just 
go for the weekend and you are a yoga teacher. And I, I would just, don't be afraid to ask people's credentials. I am an experienced registered yoga teacher and I'm registered with Yoga Alliance. And what that means is I have met a certain criteria with Yoga Alliance as a teacher and I've also taught over a thousand hours of wow, yoga. Wow, nice. So because of that, if you can go to Yoga Alliance's website, or I would also recommend that you go to the International Yoga Therapist okay. Association. We'll, we'll put that in the show um, notes. Okay. Huh? We'll yes, put that we'll put that, and I'll give I'll give you a link to that okay, too. Okay, great. If 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 you have a really if you have a chronic illness, a specific condition, I actually and I am not part of this association because I'm not a yoga therapist. But my yoga teacher that I went through training with is a yoga therapist. Well, that, that's another question then. What is the difference between a certified yoga instructor versus a yoga therapist? Well, because the reason why just, the reason why I asked that is because uh, when you were talking, you were mentioning things like you know you have different types of patients with different types of you know issues, and it, and and it sounded like to me like you're you're. You, you know, most yoga instructors would have to assess their patients just the same way from a clinical perspective is that you're looking at the patient, you're getting, you know, you're obtaining a history, you're doing some type of, uh, you know, verbal, you know, uh, assessment, and you're trying to figure out what the patient's going on. And like we, like you said, that'll determine their best practice. So I thought that, that being a yoga instructor also included that, but then you had mentioned something different as being a therapist. So what would be that difference? There, there is, there is a difference, and there's different specialties. So, for instance, my specialty, which I hadn't talked about this really, is I'm also trained as a trauma therapist, like not trauma, but I'm also trained as a, I'm a certified um, trauma sensitive yoga teacher. Okay, so, um, and this is just to kind of differentiate just different types of yoga teaching. So. At this point in my life, I'm not really teaching a lot of group classes. I'm mainly teaching volunteer classes, working with women who have been through trauma. So my yoga classes are very different than a yoga class that you would go to a yoga studio, okay? So yoga therapists, to a certain degree, they are trained the same way in the beginning as traditional yoga teachers, right? Because we all have to understand that foundation. We have to understand the foundation of how to teach yoga. And Yoga Alliance has those foundational teachings. But there are teachers that decide to go above and beyond those teachings and get into yoga therapy where you are taught how to work with specialized populations. So you would learn how to work with patients who have Parkinson's or MS specifically. They go in very deeply into that, into structural um, you know, injuries and those sorts of things. And it's, there, there's been controversy in yoga teachers calling themselves yoga therapists and within Yoga Alliance. And so, it's, it's interesting, um, but I would recommend, and this is just my personal recommendation, that if you do have a chronic illness such as MS, not that a non 
quote, someone who isn't calling themselves a yoga therapist, not that that person could not help you because they very well could help you if they're qualified and they've worked with those people before in the past and they have that experience to know. But I do recommend that if you do have a specific condition that may be more complex, that you do look for a teacher that's listed on the international, you know, the yoga therapy association page. And I, I know John Kepner, who is actually um, over that organization. He actually lives here in Arkansas. And he is an amazing yogi. And when I say amazing, I don't say he's amazing because he can get into amazing yoga postures. But he is he's amazing and his organization is amazing because of the depth of study that they have and the work that they have done to differentiate yoga therapy from a yoga power class, okay? And so I think it is very important that, that's why I say yoga is for everyone, but not every yoga class is for everyone. Not every style of yoga is for everyone. This is where we have to find what is going to work for our bodies and work for, you know, our chronic conditions that we have. A 20-something-year-old who is perfectly healthy can probably walk into any yoga class and be okay. But someone who has Parkinson's or who's had a history of a stroke or has MS or rheumatoid arthritis, they are definitely, or even hypertension and diabetes and those sorts of things, you are definitely going to want to look for a qualified yoga teacher and be able to ask questions before you take a class because when it comes down to it, it is about you first and your needs first, not what the teacher wants out of that class. Did you hear me? I really want people to hear that. It is about you. It's, a not, it's not about what that teacher wants. So it's important to find that space that the yoga studio that is perfect for you, and it may take a little bit of searching and finding that right teacher. Um, and I mean, you know, like for me, my yoga practice, like I said, what I do would probably kill most of my students. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't parallel what the needs are for the client, right? So No, no. You know. it's, so, yeah, my yoga practice, I actually practice what is called um, booty yoga. It's called it's B-U-T-I. And you, you, anybody who wants to Google it, you may look at it and go, oh, my gosh, Christina is crazy. But... It is a, it's a yoga fusion style, and this is what I practice at home, but I don't teach this. Um, and it's, it has dance to it, which obviously I'm a former dancer, which is one of the reasons why I'm drawn to it, but it has elements of tribal dance. It has elements of plyometrics. It has elements, and, it, and then, of course, it has yoga in it. And so, and it's a very high-intensity yoga class. That's what I do at home. And, but I don't teach it because when I teach, that's not what my students need that I'm teaching. I'm teaching a group of women who have been traumatized from domestic abuse, who are getting over um, often drug addictions themselves. So I'm not teaching that to them. That's not going to work for them. So oftentimes what we practice at home, and I've talked to lots of yoga teachers who are like, oh yeah, my yoga practice home does not look the same as what I teach and it's because we've tailored our practice to what we need 
And then when I go and teach a class, my class is about the people in front of me, not myself. And, and trust me, there are times where I want to throw in some stuff and I'm like, no, don't do it. They don't need this. This is not about, this is not about you. And it's because it is easy. It's easy to get into that space of this is about me as a teacher. And so you've got to search. You've got to find that teacher that's going to honor where you are physically, mentally, and spiritually. Um, and I, I, I know we've kind of gone over here a little bit, you know, our hour, but I also, I, I want to, I also want to throw in the other key element, which you probably would get to anyway. Well, hold on. Let me, let me, let me, let me, I actually have a question first is oh, actually a parallel. Um, I do have a parallel with what you just mentioned is the fact of trying to find an instructor who is qualified, uh, those personal trainers who, you know, did those two day sessions or, you know, those type of things. It, there's a, such a parallel in terms of also finding you know, an institution that would teach you medical coding. You know, yes. so you got to be very careful with that. And you mentioned the two day one. You know, I've heard things like, you know, I've had one, per, uh, one client say, well, you know what? And I, I, I got my, I, you know, I'm about to take my CPC exam and I say, okay, where did you get your training? Oh, this lady who provide a three day training and she promised us that we become, we can definitely become certified. And I'm like, oh my goodness. And she says, yeah, she does this. Uh, she sets it up at a thousand dollars for the weekend and she does this all over the place, you know, and you know, those those things are big red flags and i you know I, you know you have to be at least from a consumer standpoint from a coder or a potential coder even also as a yoga instructor anything that that has to deal with obtaining certification you have to do your due diligence and uh, your research and making sure that you know if it's like a two day or verse and a, or a three day and they're promising you know big things then perhaps it may be something that's not for you and yes, and I would agree. That is definitely so true with coding. Um, coding is one of those things that even after you go through school, um, you're going to constantly be learning. And I know Brian will agree with me. There are so many new medications that are coming out on the market these days. I have to look up medications all the time because I'm like, well, what is this? And so with anything, you've just got to be careful. I have found personally, and I don't know if you will agree with this, but if you can find a coding program at a local university, especially if it's attached to one of your local medical schools, um, those are great places for you to learn coding because typically you're going to be learning from people who have their RHIAs or their RHITs themselves. Um, I know here locally in central Arkansas that the University of Arkansas has a coding program that you can do, and I know the person who runs that program has their RHIA and has been coding for years themselves, and both the people teaching that the, the courses there have either their RHIA or RHIT and have been coders and medical coding reviewers and know what they're doing. And so I think it's very, very important that, like Brian just said, that you really Bet those programs, like don't be afraid to dig deep into those programs before you sign up and you spend your hard-earned money. Because number one, as someone who is a medical coder myself, I want you to be successful as a medical coder. I want, if you take a class, I want you to be successful. That's another reason why I'm one of the tutors. I want you to be successful. And uh, 
Brian and I have both been in the trenches when it comes to medical coding, so we're not going to to blow smoke up your, you know what, okay? <laughs> we're and I say that because we're not just out to get your money. I, I promise you that if you were working with Brian, he cares a whole lot about you, not just about your career, but as a human being. And if you haven't figured that out about Brian just from this podcast and the podcast that he's doing and from his page, he cares a whole awful lot about people. So, and, and, and that is what I get from you. And you care a lot about this profession. And that's why I think these podcasts are important is because we need to let people know what the coding profession is all about, but also from a fresh perspective, see that we're not just coders. Yes, this is our professional choice to do this on a daily basis as our careers, but that outside of coding, we're also living our personal lives and have other interests and things. And that's part of having life work balance. That's part of keeping your sanity as a medical coder, I think. Okay. Well, speaking of sanity, <laughs> keeping sane, let's move on to the next part. Yes. So yoga, to me, from what I understand, is, you know, aside from the physical, it's also mental and spiritual. So, you know, when you perform the practice, and if you've done it so, you know, for such a long time, you reach a state of calmness. And so, you know, the fact that you're, you're not... I guess, how, how can I explain it? You know, from what I understand is if you do, if you practice yoga a lot, the, the issues of body pains, the issues of, you know, you know, the, the, the body struggles, uh, and where you can actually do the poses. Well, because you can do the poses, it opens the door for you to work on your mind. Now, when yes. I say mind, I'm not going into religious issues or things like no, that, no, or no, not, no. not philosophy or stuff. I think the idea, from what I understand, in in trying in, in continuing and trying and maybe going back into yoga, is the fact that you reach a state in where your body is not an issue because it's been already taken care of or you have a control in your mind that you don't have to worry about that and then you become more focused on your i guess in terms of what i understand in meditation is awareness you know awareness of who you are what your body is uh where you you know where your body's laying you know the sense of what's um what's going around around with your body, how you're sitting, how you're postured, your breathing, your circulation, you know, there's so much more in terms of that. So I'm going to toss it back to you. Can you tell us a little bit more of the audience uh, about what meditation is, uh, you know, from transitioning from yoga? Yes, because yoga is, def meditation is definitely a huge part of yoga practice. And yoga itself, actually prepares the body for meditation and so this is another reason why yoga is you know i kind of said before it's a holistic health and wellness system because it does integrate mind body and spirit and what what i like to tell everyone and i have i have to steal this phrase or steal this idea from another yoga teacher sean corn who is a very prominent yoga teacher anyone who knows about yoga probably has heard the name of sean corn but she always tells her students when it comes to the spiritual aspect of things to call on the God of their own understanding. And that is oftentimes what I will say to my students because we all come from various background and religious beliefs. So meditation itself, if we want to think about something like prayer, for example, most faiths pray, right? 
no matter what your religious faith is, you pray. And meditation is the same thing. It's, a, it's simply, it is, it can be seen as a spiritual practice, but it also can simply just be seen as a, 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 a secular practice. I will use that word because I know some people don't have a religious belief. All right, I think meditation. Yeah, I yeah. think I think um, from what I understand, you know, I, I'm I'm from a Catholic background, and you know, with you know, for those that are Catholics, they would understand. They go to church, right? They, uh, you know, they start off with a prayer. They do a song. They sit. They stand. They sit. They stand. They kneel. And then they stand and they sing, you know, and there's a certain thing. Then, of course, there's the first reading, the second reading, and then there's the gospel. And then you have the uh, priest uh, have somewhat of a sermon. And, you know, there's a certain ritual to that. But I think, you know, you mentioned that because in when I first was, you know, introduced to Catholicism and the religion part, um, you know, you, you get caught up into that. Like, you, why, you, I guess the understanding of why you're doing that. But, you know, not to get spiritual or anything like that, but what has happened moving on forward is the fact that, you know, I'm in church now, or when I go to church, I should, you know, it's not a matter of worrying of what's happening, you know, with exactly. what's going on around you and what the message is being brought into you. It's the fact that you're just sitting there. You're sitting there. You're sitting in a you know a nice peaceful uh, place. And I think the word that you're trying to say is is the fact that you are grounded. You know, you're grounded within yourself. You're grounded with who you are, and you're understanding. You know, your your current presence at the moment. Well, it, it's and that is so true, and that's a great example. I mean, you could yoga, the actual physical practice, the asana, the posture practice of yoga, prepares the mind for meditation. And so I want to give you a great quote about meditation. And I love this quote. It's from one of my favorite directors, David Lynch, who actually has a foundation that is dedicated to teaching um, meditation. He teaches transcendental, transcendental meditation, which is not what I teach. But I love this quote just to sum up what meditation is. So meditation is a time to relax the mind and a deep dive within ourselves. Meditation is the dive all the way within to beyond thought, to the source of thought and pure consciousness. It enlarges the container. So you're the container, right? So it enlarges the container every time you transcend. When you come out, you are when you come out refreshed, filled with energy and enthusiasm for life. So meditation really is about relaxing your mind and oh my goodness how much more of that do we need in society yeah, right and so when we think about yoga as the whole practice meditation and breath work are definitely they are part of that and honestly if you try to take out those two practices you're just exercising yes that that's that's the truth when it comes to yoga if you try to remove breath work and meditation from the practice you are now just working out. You know, the, the word that I that I usually hear, and the reason why I brought up meditation for this podcast is because meditation 
is is brought up by uh, a lot of the top performers out there in any industry. And you hear people, for example, um, let's say, for example, uh, like Tim Ferriss, uh, another person, Tony Robbins. Uh, Jim you know, Carrey Jim is a Carrey, huge meditator. Right? And so, you know, they they perform meditation and, you know, we'll get into a little bit how you can start with it. You know, it's not like, <laughs> it's not like, you know, from, from, I guess what people are listening to is like, well, when I think meditation, I'm thinking of the Tibetan monk who's up there in the Himalayas and sitting there, uh, you know, the, the wind is blowing and they're just sitting there no matter what. And they just are absent minded and just, you know, doing nothing. But when you think about it and when you actually do it at least for 10 minutes and i could recommend a good uh, little app that can get you started in moving into forward into yoga but you know it's the idea of the fact again as awareness as being grounded also i think the key word and i've heard it floated around a lot is mindfulness yes and i think that the thing with meditation is i think people think it's going to be hard And meditation really isn't as hard as you think it is. Um, One of the things with meditation is that you really are trying to quiet your mind, but you're not necessarily trying to stop your thinking. And this is where a lot of people think that we're trying to do, that we're going to be able to just dissolve all of our thoughts and we're never going to have a thought pop up at all during our meditation practice. That's not necessarily reality, especially when you first start meditating. And, you know, I I know for me personally, when I go through really difficult times, that is really when I struggle with my meditation practice the most with the thinking coming up for me. But I would just say that even just starting with five minutes and then moving into those 10 minutes, um, I actually have a 30-day meditation series that I did that I ought to give you the link to that's kind of an introduction to starting your meditation practice. It's on my um, yoga website. And what you do is you just you just start. It's, it's that simple. I tell everybody when it comes to meditation, if you are a medical coder, if you could learn the skill of meditation, when you get a chart that's really hard and you're struggling – you can take a moment, close your eyes, tune into your breath, meditate for just a couple of minutes and come back with a fresh perspective and be able to look at that case and have an easier time coding. So this is a very practical practice that medical coders need to learn in order to help them even throughout the course of their day because meditation does help refresh your mind. It's like you give your mind a little nap for a little bit. And one of the One of the easiest ways that I've learned meditation is actually through, and I know I never, I never say her name right. She is a Buddhist monk. I love her work and it's um, Pima Chodron. And one of the things that she teaches is that when those thoughts come into your mind while you're meditating, you just simply think to yourself thinking. You literally think to yourself like you say the word in your mind thinking and let it go thinking, let it go. And you just let it go. And I think the bigger thing is too, is that when we think of meditation, we think sometimes that the only way we can meditate is to sit in that comfortable position, straighten our back. But yoga itself can be a form of moving, moving meditation. And so can going for a walk. If you go for a walk 
And as you're outside, you just stop and you notice a flower. And you notice the flower. And for just a moment, you take that focus off of what's going on in your head and you just focus on that flower and you allow yourself to take in the beauty of that flower or that bird or the grass or the sky or that wind blowing on your skin. If you can take those moments and just allow yourself to take them in, experience them in that moment, oftentimes you will notice that you aren't thinking anymore. You're focused on something else outside of yourself that's allowing you to relax your mind a little bit, and that's also meditation. Right. Um, a little bit of my, about how I got into meditation was actually, um, you know, I listened to a podcast called uh, The Tim Ferriss Show. Actually, has a book mm-hmm. called uh, The Four Hour Work Week. That's how I kind of yes, got introduced I've to got that. It. <laughs> and so. Um, four-hour work week. He has also four-hour body. I'll always refer back to Tim Ferriss because I think truly because of him, this podcast was started. But um, so uh, what happened is that he had a, uh, I think he was either talking to this, either it was either Sam Harris. Okay. He has a podcast. He has a mindfulness. He also mindfulness podcast. But I think somewhere down the line, either was him or Sam Harris who got me introduced to Anne Pudicombe. Okay, Uh, and Pudicombe is actually he's the owner of what's called Headspace, and uh, you can check that out too. Along with other things, and on top of um, Christina South's um, resources as well. But he he he's also he in in his story was that he he had a regular life, and then he he dropped everything. I don't know what he was doing before, but uh, he stopped everything and he actually became a monk. <laughs> he went over and decided to be, uh, I believe it's a Tibetan monk or either a Buddhist monk. And then he was done. And then after that, he comes back and then he starts teaching meditation in such a way. Um, I think there's a TED talk on him uh, where he relates meditation with also juggling. And he has a series and his headspace. There's a lot of videos in regards to that. Plus, also the videos we'll also share with Christina South. You know, there's a lot of videos out there that can give you a better understanding of what meditation is. And once you get an idea of what it is, then you can appreciate it. Just like, you know, we had a previous episode with Dr. Limhoko. He talks about the clinical truth. You may not know what the clinical truth is, but until you practice it, the same way with yoga, you may not know what it is. Until you practice it, the same thing with meditation, unless you practice it, then you'll get Okay, uh, you know, the first thing you got to have, of course, in doing all of this, okay, yoga, meditation is an open mind. And if you don't have that open mind, then, you know, it's not going to work for you. So, um, you know, that's the general idea. But I, for, you know, I just want to throw in that and Andy Pudicombe uh, was yes. the person that kind of introduced me into that. I love that. Yeah. And I'm glad you shared that because, you know, here's the thing, the resources too, you may find that my resources don't resonate with some of you, but Brian's resources resonate with you. And this is the beauty of finding the people that resonate with you and who you feel the most comfortable learning from. You know, for me, you know, Brian was talking about growing up Catholic. I was raised, my grandfather was Catholic and then actually started going to a Protestant church just because he grew up in a small town. And so I I grew up with a little bit of Catholicism, just a little bit. Um, Praying over dinner, we always said the Catholic prayer over dinner, and we always confused people because we went to a Baptist church. It was really funny. They would go, I don't get this. Are you guys Catholic? And we're like, well, a little, just a little. Um, (laughs) A little percentage. (laughs) We've got a little percentage. And, you know, 
and and I grew up with priests coming into my home because my my grandfather had a lot of friends, you know, who were priests. And I have a family member who's a priest and a family member who's a Baptist minister. So I always joke, I'm covered either way. Okay. I can have, I can have last rites and then have the Southern Baptist minister come over and do his thing. But, you know, it's, it really is. I think I want to just say that meditation is not a religious practice. So no matter what your personal religious practices or non-religious practice if for instance sam harris is great for you if you do not have a religious practice mm -hmm. would you not agree that's i who think I he's would. i think he's atheist isn't he he is an atheist there sam harris is an atheist but he has some really great teachings on spirituality without religion mm -hmm. and so i mean i just share these i like to share these sorts of um um, cause I listen to Sam Harris's stuff too, Brian, Yeah. because he has a podcast. Yeah. Yes. It's about being open-minded because just because someone doesn't have the exact same views that you have about things or spirituality, you never know what you might learn. And meditation is definitely one of those practices that can be very spiritual. If you are a very spiritual person and you want to include some of your spiritual practices in your meditation practice, then yes, please do that. But if you are more leaning towards a secular sort of belief, meditation can literally just be that time for you to clear your head. You don't have to bring any spirituality into it. And so I think that's why meditation is such a universal practice is because it can be practiced by anyone. We, we don't have to, you know, have ascribed to a certain belief system in order to practice meditation. And there are so, if you look online, the studies, of the benefits of meditation in helping even reduce hypertension and anxiety and stress levels. They are out there. Look them up. Um, meditation can work wonders. Even if you don't even want to practice yoga and you just want to practice meditation, um, actually, well, that's a good question. Someone, yeah. I was thinking, yeah, do you necessarily works, need yoga to meditation no, or you can just go straight to no, meditation? No. I mean, honestly, if someone were to actually ask me what would be more beneficial for you to, like, if someone were to say, would it be more beneficial for me to practice meditation or yoga? I'm going to actually tell you, in the long-term thing, in the long-term, I'm going to actually say meditation. And, and the reason why I say that is meditation gets you in your body and... Obviously, meditation isn't necessarily going to cure your shoulder pain, but as far as your mental health goes, <laughs> I it's so important, and meditation is going to help so much with that. I mean, it's just, so I would almost say that if the whole yoga thing, if doing yoga postures, like, freaks you out a little bit, start with meditation. You don't even have to do a yoga posture. Just start with meditation, and maybe after doing some of that meditation, it may it may lead you into wanting to practice some yoga, or even wanting to practice any movement. I will tell I'll tell everybody this: yoga is for everybody, but not everybody loves yoga. At least find that movement that you love, whether it's walking, whether it's running, whether it's tennis, playing basketball whatever it is swimming at least find something that you can do multiple times a week to move your body because any any movement is going to make your body healthier whether it's yoga or swimming 
And so find that thing that you are motivated enough that you want to get up and do to move your body because that's going to improve your overall health, especially if you sit all day. I'm partial to yoga, obviously, but it's not the end-all, be-all. Right. I think also <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a matter of therapy. So so, yes. so would shopping therapy would be included in that type of uh, practice? I would say no. <laughs> okay. There's okay, some people so, who are shopaholics as well. I'm I'm, I'm going to go to the mall I, and do my shopping therapy. I would highly recommend for if you are a shopaholic um, that that you start meditating instead of shopping. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, th- that's a whole whole nother series that I could go into. Yeah, but yeah, meditation. I would I would put meditation actually over a yoga practice because just the mental the side effects for your mental health are so important and and so yeah yeah i'll 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 leave it at that yeah that sounds like a good segment i mean we'll probably do another one on burnout you know how to do you know how to identify and how to deal with it um and of course you know just to get it short of course is you know you have to look into some form of way of getting your mind off the things. And of course, meditation, yoga could be one of those options. Well, whoo, Christina, that's a lot of information. <laughs> it's a lot. Information overload. No, Sorry, okay. y'all. You're coders. You can handle it. It's okay. You know, in, in, in the interim, I was actually doing, I was standing up, doing some side stretches, uh, doing some triangle poses, all of those things. So you got my body moving. Well, Christina, Thank you very much for being on this episode, providing this wealth of knowledge uh, and new type of thinking knowledge, especially for those that don't understand, you know, that are new to this or perhaps, you know, like something that is totally off the radar. Uh, This is something that's probably new to them. I do appreciate you for being on this episode. So I do have some two final questions for you, uh, Christina, is what does the future hold for Christina South? Um, a lot more coding and a lot more yoga, most definitely. Um, and I, I think the future holds for me right now the possibility of getting my RHIA. I, like I said, I, I have applied into that. Um, but other than that, I think the future is wide open for me. I'm, I'm one of those people that I don't do well doing that five-year plan thing. So for those of you, for those of you out there who think you have to have your five and 10 year plan, I want to let you off the freaking hook. Okay. okay? I'm letting you (laughs) off the hook. Um, And I think some of that comes from the mindfulness teachings and things that I have been taught over the years is that yes, I do believe in planning, but when it comes to certain things, um, I think we can make our five-year plans, but we often are going to be derailed by life a lot of times. And so, like I said, for me, it's a lot more coding, a lot more yoga, and possibly getting my RHIA. Oh, that sounds like, <laughs> so, that sounds like a good combination. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so that's, you know, that's, that's, that's where I'm at um, as far as what the future holds, because I don't know. You know what I mean? I, and I still take me eight years to get my RHIA, and, I, and I'm not kidding. Um, and, and the reason why I say that is um, I'm, I'm not a slow learner, but I am one of those people that doesn't like to rush things there anymore. I used to want things very quickly. Mm-hmm. I wanted things to happen very quickly. Right. And naturally and, and organically. 
Right. And now I am to that point where I want things to happen more naturally and organically instead of going, I am going to have this done by this date. Uh, that stresses me out. I'm the type of person that sort of thing stresses me out because if I don't meet that deadline, I feel like a failure. Yeah. Right. I think it derails you, you know? Yes. And it, and it can derail me. And it, that's just my personality type. We all have different personality types. Some people thrive on having to have that deadline and I don't necessarily thrive on that per se. So, um, what the future holds, we shall see what the future oh, holds awesome. is what I'll say. Awesome. And my, <laughs> my last question, Christina, is you've provided, again, a wealth of knowledge, a wealth mm-hmm. of uh, content here. What final words do you have to share with our audience? My final words, I think, would be when it comes to medical coding, if you have a passion for it, go for it. Okay? Because that's what this podcast is about, right? So I, I want to bring it back to that. And for those of you, I want to leave more of a message, I think, to some of the newer folks, I think, out there. You have a lot of new coders, especially in your medical uh, or your your coding geeks um, Facebook group. A lot of newbies in there. And I want to just tell you this. There is a learning curve, and it's okay that you don't know everything right now. It is so okay that you don't know everything right now. And that every single day when you were in class or whether you were, you've taken your first job, you were going to continue learning every single day and to not be afraid to ask questions. And if you're working in an environment that doesn't allow you to ask questions, because I have been in those, let's be honest, Brian, you let, please come to Brian's page and ask us questions <laughs> and, and, and let us help you. Um, let the people that are there help you who have been in the trenches for a long time. And the other thing that I would also highly recommend, because I am very health conscious, final words, is because we are in a job that is very sedentary, that you make your self-care priority when you are not working. And so that means eating healthy, moving your body, whether it's yoga or some other form of exercise. If you feel drawn to try med- meditation, please give it a shot. But spend time doing things that you love because it will be a lot easier for you to show up at work when you are taking good care of yourself. And when you're spending time with your family, you won't feel so pulled in 15 different directions because you will have made your life priority, your life when you're off work, and you will make work priority when you're working. Does that make sense, Brian? Mm -hmm. Yes, it's all about priority. That is what I definitely want to just kind of leave everybody with is when you're at work, work. When you're not at work, don't be at work. (laughs) Be very present with your family. Be very present in your life. Um, My husband, if he were to talk to you, he would actually say, I don't talk a lot about my work. And it's not that I don't care about it or love what I do. I do very much. I love coding. But... I don't talk a lot about work except for how was your day and then we're done with work. And my husband is the same way. We are done. We aren't talking about work anymore. And that doesn't mean I may not read an an article from AHIMA during my off time, right? Of course, I'm doing those things. But really, I think the key, what I've learned from yoga is, is this thing, 
is that when we're at work, be at work. And when we're doing those other things, be very present in those other things. And it will really, it will improve your work. But really, I think the key, what I've learned from yoga is, is this thing, is that when we're at work, be at work. And when we're doing those other things, be very present in those other things. And it will really, it will improve your work and it will improve your time off work. So that's where I want to leave it. So there you have it, Christina South. Thank you for being part of the podcast. Remember, she's one of our tutors as part of our tutoring network. So if you're interested in receiving tutoring for your coding exam, please make sure to check out medicalcodinggeek.com slash tutor network. You can find Christina South on her website, christinasouth.com. You can also check her out on Facebook by looking up Medical Coding Mentor. You can also check her out on Instagram at Christina B. South. Not Elsewhere Classified is presented and produced by Medical Coding Geek. Music was brought to you by 43 and Coyote Hearing. Medical Coding Geek offers tutoring and media services for the medical coding, health information, and CDI community. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at MED Coding Geek. That's MED Coding Geek. You can also find us on our website, medicalcodinggeek.com, where you can find and listen to all the podcast episodes plus the show notes from today. Make sure to subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Google Play. We would definitely appreciate it. And again, thank you for being part of this podcast. I'm your host, Brian Kui, and you have just listened to Not Elsewhere Classified. MedicalCodingGeek.com This podcast is supported by Weebly.com. Have a product? Building a company? You'll need a website. Create your site with Weebly's drag-and-drop website builder and responsive themes without any technical experience. Believe me, I built my website in under 30 minutes. It really is that easy. Listeners of this podcast will receive a 10% discount on any Weebly subscription plan or promote plan. To get this discount, go to Weebly, that's W-E-E-B-L-Y dot medicalcodinggeek.com. Again, that's Weebly dot medicalcodinggeek.com. So last week I had no air conditioning since Thursday, which is just awesome. Um, we've been hot. It was 90 degrees in our house. Do you want to come move in with us, Brian? Um, no, we're okay here. Fun. Yeah. <laughs> we're okay here. My AC has been working pretty good. <laughs> I'm heading to your house then. Yeah. <laughs>